Welcome to this week's edition of Dugout Dish Podcast. I'm Andy Kirikidis, as usual. I'm joined by my co-host, Keith Glasser. Keith, what's up? Nothing. I'm doing great. Nothing? How are you? All right. That's what I like to hear. Good to go, man. Excited about today's conversation. Uh, today, on this edition, we'll be covering the differences between high school and college baseball. I'm interested to see the, the route that this one ultimately takes us, but uh, having done this for a while, I think it's important to educate folks more, not just in the recruiting space, right? Like obviously that's something that we focus on and we're trying to, to get good information out there for folks and get them to think about a lot of things as they go through this. But for a lot of guys, it's one thing to get committed. It's the next thing to know what you're getting into. And we know high school baseball and college baseball, while you know you are, still 60 feet, six inches away and 90 foot bases and all that good stuff that at the end of the day, it's a very, it's a very different game and it's different in a lot of different ways. So I'm going to, I'm going to pass this one off to you to start and then we'll, uh, we'll see what we cover on this one. There's, there's quite a bit here. Yeah. I mean the, the, the college game and the high school game are two vastly different baseball games. Um, yeah, you're right. It's still 60 feet, six inches. It's still 90 feet to the bases, 127, three and three quarters of an inch, three eighths of an inch, excuse me, from home plate to second base. For those of you catchers out there who need to know. Um, but the, the speed of the game, the way the game is played, the physicality at the college level compared to the high school level is, is something that is very different from what you've experienced, um, you know, so far. And like you can play high end AAU baseball and, um, you know, it's, it's going to be close, but ultimately at the end of the day, like you're still playing against 17 and 18 year olds. You're not playing against 21, 22, 23 year olds, um, who are, who are super physical and are, you know, are grown men, you know, so it's, it's a far different game from a gameplay standpoint. You know, the other thing that college is going to be very different from is the amount of time, energy, and effort that you are going to be asked to put in to play college baseball. There is, I mean, if let's take division one, if you're playing division one, I think I'll be spotting on the rules. I haven't coached division one baseball in a decade, but um, <clears throat> you get about 35, 40 ish days for practice. We'll call it. Um, and then you have individuals after that you're lifting the entire fall. Um, if you're a freshman and or on academic, you know, watch, you're going to be in study hall over the course of the year. Um, that doesn't take into account classes, study time, social life, um, everything it is that goes into you being a college student. And then you're going to get into the, the season and, um, you know, you come back, you have indies, you fire up practice three weeks before opening weekend. Um, and then you go play 56 games. And if you're in the Northeast, like you are living out of a bag for the first five, six weeks of the year. Um, you know, so it's, you blink and it goes by, you, you haven't really done anything like this, um, yet to this point. So, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into this and you've heard Eric talk about it on here and, um, Tish has talked about it and Chris and Jimmy and 
you know, Ryan and, and pretty much everyone that we've brought on has said this, which, you know, should tell you something that, you know, there, with everything that is going on, like you still have to eat, you still have to go to class. Like, you know, you're going to lose weight during the course of the season, but like you want to try to keep as much weight on as you possibly can. Um, you know, so lifting becomes a huge thing, how you take care of your body, how you go about, you know, your business, like your body's not going to be hundred percent every day. You know, are you tough enough to be able to handle those things? Um, you know, and again, all the while you still have to go to class and get good grades, you know, so there's, there's a lot that goes into the, what happens at the college level, you know, the level of preparedness, the, the what goes on every day, like you're practicing baseball six days a week or playing, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get into the season, like it's, it's six days a week, practice, play. Like you're generally going to have Monday off. That's it. Other than that, like you will be on the field doing some baseball related activity Tuesday through Sunday. You know, and that's a huge adjustment for guys who, you know, play two or three games a week and, you know, hit once or twice a week and lift once or twice a week. Like you're going to be doing this six days a week, potentially seven um, on your optional off day. But so, yeah, there, there, there's a lot that goes into the college game that is far different and far more demanding than the high school game which is where I think, you know, that there's a very steep learning curve in college. Um, and the guys who can, who can really, you know, make that curve a lot less steep and, you know, get to the top earlier are the ones that are really good at time management that come in, you know, with a, a very good weight room base and a, a work ethic where that's going to drive them on the field and in the classroom. Like those dudes are going to, are, are going to succeed pretty quickly. You know, the guys that, you know, are behind in those things, they're going to struggle through the fall and into the spring. Yeah. I mean, if you just break it down like this, like if you just look at the season, most high school seasons, you might play three games in a week. When you're in college, you're playing four or five pretty much every week and you're playing back to back to backs and you're traveling. Like it's not the same. Um, I think to put it simply is that most high school kids who think they work hard, that's the bare minimum when you get to college. Like you don't get a choice to work that hard. You have to work that hard. And if you don't want to, you don't, you just aren't going to be there. Period. Like you walk in in the fall, you know, if you're a little bit, get a little bit of warmer weather, like most schools are going to defer to like three or four weeks of individual work. They're going to use that to get you acclimated, introduce you to some philosophies, so on and so forth, get you used to being on school. And then you're going to go into your like true fall practices and you're going to practice for six days a week. You're going to enter squad. You're going to go through all that. Then you're going to go straight into the off season, individuals and lifting. And then I think one of the biggest changes for kids is that when you get into the season, you lift. Like and a lot of high school kids don't do that. And you can get away with it, but I do think that that's a big reason you see a lot of kids burn out in the summer. Below drops or bat speed goes away is that you don't maintain. Like they go and they work their butts off for three or four months in the off season, and then they get to the spring season, they don't lift at all. So there's no maintenance. But when it's standard operating procedure at a college baseball program that you lift three days a week during the season. 
yeah, you're not going balls to the wall. You're not maxing out and squat and stuff like that, but you're in the weight room. You're taking care of your body. There's the training room time. Like to frame it up, most high school games, if you start at four o'clock, you leave you and it's an away game. Even if it's a home game, it's a four o'clock start. Most kids are going to get to feel what? Two thirty. We're going to stretch, maybe play a little bit of catch. Like, Take a few swings. I think two thirty stretching it for some for most places. I would maybe take a little bit. Five fifteen, and it was an optional five fifteen start. Apparently, they didn't start (laughs) like five forty. What is going on here? But but yes, yes. Here's a here's a standard Friday at the Division One level. You got a home game seven o'clock. If you're a position guy, most of those dudes are rolling in it two-ish for a seven o'clock start. They're going to get to the locker room. They're going to eat. They're going to get something in their stomach. They're going to throw on some shorts and a t-shirt. They're going to go out to the cage. They're going to get their extra work in, right? They're going to come back in. A lot of them will shower, start to get ready for the game. You're going to read scouting reports. Then you're going to gear up and you're going to go out to the field for batting practice. You're going to take a 45 minute batting practice. Then you're going to come off the field. The away team's going to take a 45-minute batting practice. They're going to come off the field. You're going to go throw for the second time of the day. Then you're going to take I.O. You're going to wait for people to finish putting down the lines, getting water on the field and everything. And then you're going to play a game. Your day on a Friday or any game day is an eight-hour day. You're going to get there at two and you're probably leaving the ballpark at 10 o'clock and then you got to turn it over. And the next day you're probably playing at four. So you need to be back at the park at 10 or 11 o'clock. And then you're going to turn it around. You're going to do it again. And you're probably playing at noon or one. So you're going to be back on the field at eight o'clock the next morning. Most kids have never done that. And that change alone can be daunting because that's taxing. And that physical piece is probably the biggest learning curve for most kids. Um, The other thing for me that always stuck out was practice and how much different a practice is at the college level versus what most kids experience at the high school level, which is roll it out, stretch, play some catch, maybe take some ground balls, hit some BP, I'm sure there's some high schools that do a little bit more than that, but we're going to generalize a little bit. For college, like practice is team time. Specifically in the fall, like practice is team time. That's where you're working on gameplay. You're working on things that help you win baseball games. So you're going to be doing your cuts and relays. You're going to be doing your first and thirds. You're going to be going over your bunt plays. You're going to be doing base running. It's not individual development time. And I think that that's a big change for kids. One of the first things we used to say to our guys is that if you need extra swings, you don't get them in practice. You get them on your own, not necessarily on your own with a coach usually, but your 25 or 30 swings that are scheduled during that batting practice that is designed around execution that has a defensive component played into it, that has fungos going on, that has double play turns getting turned, that has base running, 
that has outfield communication, that batting practice is taking place is a team event. It's not for the guy who's hitting. And I think that that's a big change in thought that when people associate with batting practice, they associate it with the guy who's in the cage taking the swings. Most of the value in batting practice in a team setting is not the guy hitting the ball. It's everything else that's going on around him. Mm-hmm. It's the closest thing you get to live reads. Outfielders get more work in batting practice than they get in the whole freaking season. Like it's a really valuable time, but it's not individual time. It's team time. Yeah. Most kids struggle with that because they think that that's enough for them. And they think that, well, if I just show up and I practice really hard, like I'll be good. I haven't come across many kids who are successful at a high level that just showed up for practice and they were freak shows. But most yeah. of them at some point hit a, a hit, hit a bump in the road and went, Oh, wait a minute. I need to go start hanging out with that guy. Who's here. You know, we have a four o'clock practice. Who's here at two who's coming in to get extra double play feeds, or he's going to come in and get some more swings off the hack attack, whatever it is. That was a huge adjustment from that. I saw with most kids is just learning how to practice. Yeah. The, 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 the level of detail that's going to go into a college practice is again, we're generalizing, but far different than what you've you're accustomed to in, in high school. Um, you know, the, the BP thing I think is you hit the nail on the head, right? Like I, I used to get so mad at, at our pitchers because they would, you know, they want to fly around during BP and, and take reads away from our outfielders. And then, you know, you get out for day one of the game and our outfielder, you know, looks like Magellan out there and needs a map to find a baseball, you know, and the pitchers get all mad. And it's like, Hey man, like, this is why I get mad at you guys. Like you taking seven, eight, nine reps away from him in, the, in preseason could have been the difference between him catching that ball and not, but because you guys want to fly around and try to catch baseballs, like that, that's not your time. Your time, like I'll give you days where you can just fly around and catch balls in the outfield. Like we'll have days like that. Don't do not worry because those are going to be days where, you know, we're, we're going to go heavy defense. And then when we get to BP, it's going to be like, Hey, I have a group doing this. I have a group. I might have two groups base running or usually what I would, you know, we would have a group base running a group in a cage live with me on the field. Then you're going to have another group in the cage doing their cage work. And then another group doing bunt work or something like that. So if I have four groups going, I don't have really anybody dragging like pitchers have at it, go play shortstop. Show me how bad you are. I, I, I don't really care. Right. Like you're going to have those days, but we have days where I have outfielders out there and they need live reads, get out of their way. If there's nobody in right field, sure. Run over there, catch a couple balls, you know, but it's, I think the thing, you know, when you start getting into team defenses and the, the bunties and the first and thirds and the double cuts and the, you know, we talked about it with Joe, like the first time I did a double cut when I was at Marist, I was like, Phew. I don't know what this is. Like, I, I had no idea, you know, and, and I grew up in that era where like your first and third play, like you threw it to the shortstop who was just standing at shortstop. Like that's not a thing in college. Like you don't stand up and throw it to the shortstop. That's an absurd play. When like, I think back over my, my high school years, but like that was a high school play or the high school play where like, you know, you throw it in the catcher, the, the pitcher jumps up and snags it out of the air and throws it home. Like, 
that doesn't really happen all that much anymore. You know, the like as a catcher, you have to peak to third on first and thirds to see what that runner's doing. Like that was a huge adjustment for me as a high school kid getting into college. Like that was just something that was so foreign to me. Like getting used to that as you're exchanging and looking to see what that runner is doing is a is a big thing. And it's a small piece of what goes on, but like you have to do that. You know, and it's something that like you'll hear that when you get into college, you're like, why do I have to look? Because if you don't look and the kid's just bearing down, like he's trying to steal home and you throw it to second without looking, like we just gave up a run. Whereas if we looked, you know, we probably tag that guy out. Um, you know, but the the get pick plays and the 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 emphasis that gets put on base running at the collegiate level. And you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we were at the Boston Open, like the the base running you know, and I'm, it's not an indictment on high school guys. Like I know that there's a lot going on, but like <clears throat> one of the things that breaks me the most about the the travel baseball is the runner for the catcher. Like catchers get to college and have no idea how to run the bases because every game that you play, I shouldn't say every, the vast majority of games that you play, if you get on base, they immediately run for you. And then they get to college and like they have no idea how to go first to third. They have no idea how to go second to home. They have no idea how to go first to home, you know, and, and that holds true for a lot of guys, right? Like you get into college and like, if you're on first and someone hits a double in the gap, like if you have decent speed, like we're wheeling with two outs, man. So like, you know, and you've talked about this, like you guys, didn't, you, like, you only got a stop sign. You didn't even have a send sign. Like the whole thing was like, you're just going unless I stop you. You know, and I, I the the emphasis that gets put on base running and the emphasis like the emphasis that gets put on defense at the at the college level, I think is far more substantial than what people realize um as well. Like you're gonna have a good, you know, not just team but individual. Like you're depending on the practice plan, like there's always going to be something you're doing individual defense wise at practice, but like depending how it's structured, like it could be an hour long on Tuesday. It could be only 15 minutes on Wednesday because you have something else going on. But like there's going to be a structure to the practice in the week where like individually you're working on defensive stuff too because you can't be a one-trick pony in college. You can't just only hit. You have to be able to play defense. And if you can't and you can't get yourself in position or you don't know where you're supposed to be on, you know, cuts and relays and all those types of things, like that's going to be a detriment to you being able to get in the lineup, right? Like if I can't trust that you are going to be able to field the baseball. Like I can't put you in the game. So like you have to be able to show up and practice and show me in practice that you're going to be able to be sufficient enough at the position you're in for me to even put you in the game. And if you can't do that in practice and like, I'm not going to be able, like I'm not going to feel comfortable putting you in the game to do it. Like you can be, you know, a phenomenal hitter, but you know, if you can only do one thing well, like you're, you're going to struggle in the college game. You have to be, you know, I'm not saying everyone has to be a, you know, sub seven runner and, you know, hit for average and power and also, you know, have a nine to uh, an 80 grade arm and, and be a phenomenal defender. But, you know, you have to be able to run the bases at a, a an adequate clip. You have to be able to play sufficient defense and you have to be able to hit. Those are the three things you have to do if you're a position guy and you want to play in college. And those things are going to be discussed, talked about, and you have the opportunity to get better at them every single day of practice.
Yeah, I mean, the, the details at the college level end up being the difference maker a lot of the time. Where like we we harped on it when we were doing our college World Series picks. I know it's something that you that you dug into a little bit, but it was it was something that we tracked at William and Mary, and I thought it was really beneficial and it really harped. Kind of what it did is it highlighted why we put an emphasis on things. But uh, I think it was like five or six years of data where if we had won the free base battle in a game, we won like eighty percent of the games we played in. That's defense. That's mm-hmm. throwing strikes. That's take. But but the thing that people they always think of, well, that's walks. That's errors. That's you know those are your free bases. We were more than that. Dirt ball read free base. We get a dirt ball read. That's a free base. If you go first to third on a single, that's a free base. Like if you can score from second base on a base hit because you took a really good secondary. That's a free base. We don't have to get another hit now. You're on second base with one out. And because we've drilled secondary leads, because you paid attention to the pitcher's tempo, because you did a really good job of getting reads during batting practice, you get that good secondary. I don't have to hold you up at third base. We don't have to get another hit to score you. That's the kind of stuff that adds up in in college baseball games. And oftentimes it's the it's the difference maker for when you start to stack that up over 56, 60, 65 games, if you get to play longer in the season, those small wins equal a lot more actual wins. And the level of detail is much higher and the game's faster. So you need to be able to react faster. And like, that's why that practice component becomes so important is that you can, you can, drill home a philosophy like you can hit home on things that help you win games and kind of i guess go off on a a little bit of a tangent here but the other piece is is offense is a team game in college it's not just a collection of hitters and that's an adjustment for a lot of kids too right because when you're playing travel ball or when you're playing high school ball usually it's just a collection of dudes and the most outcomes are going to be decided by the three or four best players on the field because they can hit or, you know, you got a really good pitcher on the mound, but in college playing offense, it's not hitting, it's playing offense. It's the ability to uh, not give in with two strikes, right? Like we've talked about this. If, if you're able to have a 10 pitch at bat or somebody's able to work a walk with two outs and you're able to an extended inning, that's the type of stuff that adds up over the course of a series. And if you're able to get into somebody's bullpen on a Friday night in the sixth inning, instead of the eighth inning one, if you don't get to the bullpen until the eighth, you're probably not winning. But if you can get into somebody's bullpen early on in a series, because guys were getting the ball in play, they were extending at bats by fouling off pitches. They were able to manage the strike zone like you get a two out hit, you get a two out walk. That stuff has trickle down effects and can that might win you a game on Sunday, but you don't think about it because all of a sudden the kid that they threw for three innings to try to get to the back end of the game on Friday, that kid can't throw on Sunday. Well, now you don't have to face him. You get to face their ninth best arm instead of their fifth best arm or their, their top bullpen guy. And that stuff doesn't get talked about in high school because it doesn't matter in high school. But in college, just a massive impact it can have with really, really small things. 
Um, and that's what coaches are going to harp on in practice. And it's not about hauling off and trying to hit a bunch of pull side jacks and BP, right? It's not about, you know, shagging fly balls in the outfield. It's about actually working at your craft. And that's a big adjustment for a lot of kids that it's, you know, you, you're not going to get by by just being able to have some talent. You need to be able to do the little things. You need to be able to understand that you operate as a unit, not as a group of individuals. Um, and that's important. Like, you right. know, this, this eight hole guy in college doesn't need to hit 330. He needs to be able to bunt when you need him to bunt. He needs to be able to have quality at bats where he's moving runners or he's seeing pitches. Like he needs to be able to score the guy from third base with less than two outs because he knows that the infield's back. He knows that he's going to see a bunch of breaking balls in the count, but he's willing to get to the top half of the baseball and smash a ground ball at the second base because that's what it takes to win. Like that's how you win games at the college level. Everybody looks at the dudes who hit a bunch of bolts and they hit the doubles and everything. And like, yeah, that's great. That'll win you a bunch of games. But you start to stack wins when your good players, do, when your your core players do their part, but your auxiliary players do the little things that make that thing really go. Yeah, you know, and, and I think you know, just to stack on to what you're saying, like even with you know, I touched on base running earlier, like knowing where your outfielders are. Like you can go to a high school game and, you know, I think you and I can show up to them and most college coaches can. And like, if it's just a general regular high school game, like you can probably close your eyes and know where the outfielders are playing because they're all playing the same spot. You know, but in college, they move around based off of scouting reports, based off of pitch counts, based off of what pitchers on the mound, like the defense is constantly moving. You know, so there's you have to know where outfielders are on every pitch so that when you see the ball hit, like you need to know in that moment that ball's hit, like that's a double in the gap. Like I'm going first to third or that ball is going to be right at him. So I need to, you know, I, I need to either make sure that ball is down or, you know, I got to pick my coach up and, and see what he's telling me to do. You know, it's, it's things like that. Like, you know, I, Base running, I you know, and I, I will harp on it because I feel like it's one of the biggest things. And when you get to college, that is is far different. <clears throat> um, you know, but you have those conversations with the younger guys, and they're like, "I just like we never did this. Like I, I didn't know there's this much that goes into the 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 base running aspect of things. You know, and I, I, it's the same thing that I think. You know, you had touched on it earlier, like coming every year, my freshman at you know at the end of the year would be like just the sheer amount of time on game day that it, that we are here for is is a huge change was a big adjustment for me you know and, and we had turf you know so we didn't have to line the field and water it and cut it and do all that stuff like you know we played at noon like we started bp at 10 a.m you know we were on the field you know most guys are on the field by nine you know nine fifteen at the latest like we're going through our dynamic warm-up we're, we're stretching we're throwing we're doing everything it is we need to do. Like first bolt goes out at 10 o'clock. Like it's not like we mosey on the field at 10. Like it goes out at 10. And then you sit around and wait for another 40 minutes when you're done hitting. Um, you know, and then you have IO and everything else. So, you know, it's there's a lot of time that goes into it. Um, 
you know, which I, I think like that's one of the big adjustments too. Like you touched on it earlier, but I wanted to circle back with, you know, my freshman I would always say like just the sheer amount of time that goes into game days is it was a huge adjustment for me. Um, you know, but the, the, it's, it's such a different game and, um, you know, the, the practice end to your point is, is very, it's a, there, it's a stark difference, right? Like you're going to, you know, we would generally practice from like four to six thirty, seven o'clock. Um, you know, I think as the, like anything else as the season wears on, like your practices generally get a little bit shorter because really, you know, you're, you're not going to be hammering home a, a whole three hour practice when, you know, you're into game 42. Um, you know, but at the start of the year, I mean, shoot, you have those days where, you know, you're going live in early February because you're building up arms. Like you're looking at a three, four, five hour practice because arms got to get pitches in, you know, so here we go, fellas. You know, so it's, it, it's a, it's a far different animal than, than anything, you know, in high school, you probably have what three probably five arms you may have to build up. And I don't even know what people really do. Like you get to college, like you have 14, 15 arms that have to throw. <laughs> like, those are long here, days. Here, here's another cruel reality of it too. And I think that this speaks to the competitiveness of college baseball is that you got 16 or 17 position guys and you're trying to get ready for the spring. Hey, if you're 15, 16, 17, like you may not get at bats. Like I'm a, I'm a college coach. Like I'm way more concerned with making sure that my three hole guys got his at bats. And I am about the dude who probably is never going to play this year. So like, that's a tough pill to swallow as a, as a high school kid coming into a program is that like, it is not equality in terms of reps and in terms of attention, like it's not always the case. Like it's really that simple. Like I, as a coach, you have a responsibility to get the guys who are going to help you win games ready and you do the best you can with everybody else, but it doesn't add up. You don't have enough time. Like you simply don't have enough time all the time to, to do that. And I think that goes to the other thing that a lot of kids, especially when they get on campus is roles, right? Every kid who goes to play college baseball, they're generally one of the better players on their high school team. You get to college and you might get there and you might be a platoon outfielder and you might only be, you might be the right-handed hitting option in left field. You might only face seven lefty starters the whole year or something. Like you might only start seven games, but nobody cares if you're not ready, right? Like you pinch hit for people, you pinch run for people, you try to match up lineups, you try to match up styles, like, you know, you got some guys who handle velocity better. So that kid might get a start. Like that's a tough thing to wrap your head around as a player that people have roles and you need to be able to execute in that role. Like some guys are defensive specialists. Like we, you know, we had one year where we had a kid who was awesome defender in the outfield and a kid who could really hit, who wasn't as good back end of the game, that kid was going to go in and play defense. He was a freaking phenomenal kid. So mm-hmm. he did a great job, but there's other kids who, who won't, they don't even want that role because they think it's, they think it's below them. And that's just, um, but that's how, you know, that's how college is. It's not, you're not writing in the same eight guys in a starting pitcher every, every game. 
right? Like you don't get to throw your starter. You don't get to throw your number one guy twice a week. You know, you don't get to throw them on Monday and Saturday. Like that's not how it works, right? Like guys have roles out of the bullpen. Like a role can be you're the up big, down big guy. And like, that's a valuable role. It doesn't seem like much, but like we, we talk about how that impacts a weekend. Say you're freaking Friday guys getting, getting freaking shelled and you got to pull them in the third. If you got a guy who can go in there and just wear it for 12 outs and get you to the next guy so that you don't have to use your leverage bullpen guys to get through a game that might win you that series. Mm-hmm. And that guy might not be super happy about that role because he's only going to pitch when you're up 10 or down 10. But at some point in the year, guys like that win you games. They just don't win you the game that they pitch in. Right. And like, that's a hard thing to see as a player that as a coach, we make some of those decisions. Like we go to certain guys in certain spots because we need them to do something very specific. And it's just not as simple as, you know, we'll just roll. We're, you don't always throw your best guy. It's just the reality of it. You, sometimes you have to go to a guy that doesn't throw much because mm-hmm. the situation calls for it. And yeah, like it, it's just, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of thought that goes into the decision-making that's there. And sometimes you're not, it's not that you're not trying to win every single game, but you also have to have enough. You have to swallow your pride enough to look at it and be like, Hey, if we're going to come back, we're going to have to smash baseballs. We just need to try to steady the ship here. We're going to throw that dude who's the up, up 10, down 10 guy. And let's try to get out of here without having to use our bullets so that we can win Saturday and Sunday. Because if you do that and you win a series, like that's what college baseball is about is winning series. It's mm-hmm. why they do a championship series. It's why they do a super regional series um, because you got to make decisions like that and uh, depth and experience matters. So that was, I always thought that that was a tough one for kids to wrap their head around. Like, why are you going to that guy when this guy can throw? It's like, well, cause I don't want to throw that guy in this spot. I only want to throw him when we got a high leverage situation. Like we're in the third inning and our starter sucked today. Like we need to, somebody's just got to wear it. Mm-hmm. Somebody does just have to wear it. You saw, dude, we saw that in the cut. We saw that in the college world series. Mm-hmm. When, when LSU was getting rolled by Florida in game two, like, mm-hmm. they just threw a bunch of dudes out there and they said, Hey man, we don't give a shit. Go get us six outs. We don't care how many runs you give up. Just get us to tomorrow with our guys intact. And that essentially won LSU. Now they ended up blowing them out, but you get, you get what I'm driving at. Like yeah. those guys wearing it gave them a chance to open it up on Florida the next day. Correct. And that happens. Those games happen. In the course of 40, 50, 60 games, like it's going to happen once or twice. Yeah, you're going to roll people, and you are going to get rolled. It doesn't matter how good you are. What, what did Wake go like? I, mean, I don't think they lost their 10th game until like the freaking College World Series or something like that. But they had a midweek game early in the like middle of the year where they got smashed by somebody. Like, uh, I think Coastal. Coastal smashed, and that's who it was. 
I thought I was supposed to smash them. And it happens. Like, mm-hmm. it's how it works sometimes. You play good competition and they're better than you that day and you move on. Midweek travel is another adjustment too. Like taking yeah, a three and a half hour trip on a Wednesday. Yeah. You know, you leave at, you leave at 10 o'clock. You know, you leave at 10 o'clock in the morning. You know, you stop for lunch. You get to the park and then you hop back on the bus. You don't get back to two o'clock. Like you don't do that in high school. And, you know, that's, you know, hopefully you don't have to travel that much for midweek, but it happens. I mean, we used to go to Virginia Tech midweek. It's like four and a half hours from William & Mary. Wow. Virginia's a big state, my friend. I mean, I was fortunate that I was, RPI was like in the center of a lot of stuff. So I didn't really have to uh, travel all that much. But yes, it's the midweek travel is a huge, huge, huge. I mean, it took me, you know, the whole year to really get used to it. So all of a sudden you're, you're playing on a Tuesday, Wednesday and you know, you didn't practice on Monday because you were, we had to have an off day. And then you're, you're back on the field Tuesday on a bus at 10 a.m. to go play Stony Brook or Columbia or um, Binghamton and whoever else, U Albany. Um, I'm just trying to rattle off teams that we would have played. Um, Hofstra. You know, Hofstra, yeah. 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 The uh, suspension streak got ended. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's where, you know, I, I think that it's, it becomes a very, um, it's an adjustment for kids because you're not, you know, it's easy. I should, I should say easy, but it's easier when, when you get used to the, at the start of the year, just playing Friday, Saturday, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because you're traveling. And all of a sudden like that, Tuesday in March when it's 41 degrees and damp and you got to get up and, and go play like that's, that's a difficult thing to be able to do and to be able to kind of get used to that. Um, you know, especially for younger guys, like you're probably just, you, you know, your high school season is just generally starting in March. You know, you have tryouts and stuff. If you're in the Northeast college, like we're, probably 14, 15 games in at that point in time, you know, so you're, you got to tee it up and, and get it going, you know, and that's, that's a hard thing to do for younger guys early on in their careers, getting used to that stuff. I mean, you, you kind of hit on it early about the travel. Like if you're in a Northeast school uh, or just call it like a, a colder weather school where you're going to play, you're going to play your first five weeks of the season for the most part, Pretty much going to be on the road, like leaving Thursday, working out Thursday before you get on the bus, going to the airport, getting on a plane or getting on the bus and driving to where you're going or working out when you get there. But like you don't ever have an off day when that comes. Like you're either getting off the bus to work out or you're taking bad practice before you get on the bus. Travel, hotel, then Friday's a whole deal. Team breakfast, team lunch. A lot of times you're finding space to lift, play Friday, play Saturday, play Sunday, drive back to campus. You got an eight o'clock class, like you need to get your ass to class. 
You sure do. Man, those are tough ones. Um, I remember getting off the bus at like five in the morning, and then like you got to go to class, man. <laughs> walking to the walking to the cafe to get breakfast and go to class straight off of the bus. Yeah. Yeah, I mean multiple times. I mean, yeah, the the academic piece is, in some ways, I think it's easier for kids, but it's I think the harder part is you don't have anybody waking you up in the morning. You don't have anybody holding your hand to go to class. You don't have as many classes. Like most most college kids, like you might have three classes in a day if it's a busy day. But, you know, who's getting you up out of bed? Like when you're in high school, you know, you got mom or dad, you know, banging on your door, getting you yep. ready to go to the bus or drive you to school. Like who's getting you out of bed to go to your eight o'clock class? Because eventually, if you miss enough of them, it's getting to somebody and you're going to be in trouble for it. Like that accountability piece and how do you handle your free time and what do you do um, becomes a big adjustment for kids. And sometimes kids handle the freedom really well. And I think that the commitment to baseball, you know, that you're looking at five or six hours a day on pretty much any given day when you're in season in terms of the time that you need to commit to being a good baseball player, I think that that helps with the time management because you, you basically work around those hours. But I mean, we all, I didn't deal with it that much. I wasn't bad about it. I'll have to say that I'll pat myself on the back, but we all know guys who like 50, 50, if they're going to class at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, and for some kids, that's a hard thing to recover from. Like you, you get in the routine of that and you know, you don't go to class. You don't do the things that you need to do. And kind of why I'm talking about that is that coaches don't, I think Chris put it best when he was talking about this is that he wants simple players, not simple in terms of their skill sets. Right. But like simple in terms of, I don't have to worry about you. Yep. I don't have to worry that I'm going to find out that you were failing a class because you went to seven out of the last, 20 classes that you were supposed to go to. Right. Right. Nobody wants, no coach wants to worry about what a kid's doing during the day when it comes to class. And nobody wants to worry about the kid, what they're doing at night. Um, and that's another thing. Like you get that freedom and there's a ton of it in college and there's nobody there to slap you on the wrist. And usually if you get a slap on your wrist, it, Sometimes it's too late and like you usually get a chance to turn it around, but you know, those, those first four or five months on a college campus can be quite the, quite the adjustment for kids. Mm -hmm. I agree. You know, but <laughs> uh, what else we got about the college game? Like the meritocracy thing is really I think is a really valuable thing for kids to wrap their head around. Like in high school, you get rewarded because you're generally one of the better players. But in college, like nobody's handing you anything. Like you don't, you don't get to, you know, you don't get to go over 30 because you're supposed to be the best guy on campus. Like you just don't, you just don't play. Right. Like if you're a bad practice player, you, you, you know, unless you're doing something special on the field on game day, which usually isn't the case. You're not going to play. Like you get a chance to perform every day, and 
you know, your, your job as a player is to put that coach in a situation where he doesn't have a choice but to play you. It's not the other way around. Right? The coach doesn't, he's not obligated to put you in the lineup unless you force his hand by being one of the best options. Correct. I mean, I, I think that that's, you know, you're, you're going to get, you know, if you're supposed to be one of the better players on the team and you've had a, a lead up and you've done well, like you're going to, you know, you have a little bit more equity than some of the other guys, you know, depending on how old you are and, and what you've done. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, like it's about results. And the guys who are playing the best and the guys that are, you know, going to be able to help us put W's on the, you know, in the win column, like those are going to be the guys that are going to be out there the majority of the time, you know, and same thing from a pitching standpoint, like you have your, you know, if you're getting boat raced or, you know, guys are, you're boat racing someone else. Like you'll, you'll look down the bench and give opportunities to guys that are, you know, have been working really hard in practice and, you know, give them an opportunity to get at bats and, and see what they, they can do. Um, you know, and sometimes you, you know, you've seen some guys, you know, win some roles in, in spots like that where, you know, they, they don't give anything away and they, you know, take some good at bats and there's a guy who ends up struggling a couple of games later and you put that kid in and he does well, you know, so it's, you can win yourself a, you know, a, a, a an opportunity to get back out there to fight for a, a job if you stay locked in and, and don't give things away, you know, and it's hard in college, man. Like you get, you're getting boat raced. Like no one really wants to go into those games. Like, you know, it, it's long, it's cold. You've been getting your butt kicked all day long. It's like, all right, I have to go in and be, you know, take everything serious and don't give anything away. You know, and the kids that do it like generally end up with the, you know, they end up having pretty good careers, you know, and, you know, get a handful more opportunities because they're, they're still locked in at that point in time, you know, but it's, it, it takes, you know, it takes a little bit longer to, for, for some people to get there. That's all. Yeah. As a player, your job is to earn the trust of the coach, right? And trust can come in the form of, I know this guy's always going to be ready, right? Like, can you, can you come off the bench and pinch hit? Like, right. That's a skip. Like we had a kid who was not our best at William Mary. He was not our best hitter off the bench. But what he was incredible at is that he could get, he could take a good at bat on no notice. Where other guys need like a series of at bats to get comfortable. Like, and that's a skill. And we trusted that kid. So if we needed to pinch hit in a spot, it almost always went to him because mm-hmm. we knew that we knew what we were going to get out of him. And I think there's a lot to be said about that, that like you need to earn the trust that you're prepared, that you're doing your work, that you're, you're doing the day-to-day stuff to be prepared for that moment that you're really good. Like rarely are good practice players, not reliable players. Like the kid who shows up every day and practices really hard and mm-hmm. does everything you're supposed to do. Like coaches are always going to defer to that guy when there's an opportunity to get in at bat or to get somebody up in the bullpen. Like you're always going to look down the bench and go, that kid was awesome in practice this week. He's getting these innings. And to your point, those kids usually end up being able to carve out a role. And it's not for anything more than they're willing to 
stack those days together, even though they may not get the time that they're looking for, they're still going to work as if they're, you know, the Friday night starter, or mm-hmm. they're going to still take batting practice like they're starting that game. And those kids usually, they usually kind of rise to it and they're prepared and they take advantage of those situations. And you know, as a freshman, yeah, like everybody wants to be a starter as a freshman, but I think as a freshman, if you're, if your first goal is let me earn the trust of my coaching staff. And then the next step is let me carve out a role where I can be a contributor. If you can do those two things, you'd be surprised how quickly you turn into a regular in your career. If that's the way you look at it, as opposed to, well, I'm not starting like, you know, how, how, how important is this Tuesday practice? Like I'm not starting in tomorrow's midweek game. Like that kid's going to have a tough time. Yep. Yes, he is. They're the ones that after the fall practice, they or after the season, well, I didn't get any opportunities. Mm-hmm. He did. Got a lot of them. You have an opportunity every day. Best one of the best excuses I ever heard was well, the reason I don't get hits in practice is because our guys know my tendencies. They know my they know my weaknesses. And it's like, well, you don't think the other team does either? Correct. Have you ever noticed, and this is a wild thing that I, I've always thought about when I was coaching, like when you'd have conversations with kids about, you know, playing time and what, you know, where they were at, and you'd be like, hey, like, look, man, like <clears throat> right now you're hitting 100. You're one for 10. And the guy that you're, you know, competing with is hitting 500. And like, like they're like, well, you know, there were a couple bang bang plays that if the umpire called me safe, you know, I'd I'd be like hitting four hundred. It's like, yeah, if you didn't have the one hit, you'd be hitting zero. Like, I, like they, you know what I mean? Like the the argument always goes to like, well, if I was if I wasn't screwed, I'd be hitting better. Like, yeah, okay, like if you punched out all ten times, you'd be hitting zero with ten punches. Like, I, like why does it always go that way? I think. So for me, there was, there was two ways that kids would go about it. And there was the kid who was going to be successful and you knew it. And then there was the kid who you knew was either going to have, he was going to have to make a change or it wasn't going to work out. And it was how they opened up the conversation about playing time. If it was, why am I not playing? Not a good way to start. That kid hadn't taken a look in the mirror and really looked at things. The kid who comes in and goes, what do I need to do to get more playing time? that kid's got a chance because he's willing to sit there and listen to you and you go, Hey, great question. Right now, you know, you're in a tough spot because, you know, your best position is third base and, uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson's hitting freaking three thirty with 10 bolts. So like going to be a tough time to get out there, but you know, we got a guy, you know, we're trying to figure out this left field spot right now. Like, do you want to take some reps in left field this week and like, see if, you know, maybe we can, you know, you can get some experience. out. That kid's got a chance. That kid will always have a chance because he's looking for ways to get better. He's not looking to blame everybody else as to why something isn't going the way that they think it should go. Because usually it's pretty obvious. Yeah. And oftentimes it's really obvious to everybody, but the kid, sometimes you just need to have an honest conversation and it changes, but, 
in my experience, the, come, the kids who come in and ask why, as opposed to how, the kids who ask how usually end up figuring it out, usually end up finding a way to get on the field. Yes, sir. Hashtag ownership. Oh, well, weird when you can take it. Shout out, Jocko. Things that can happen. Anything else you want to add on this topic, Coach? No, I think we covered it. Um, you know, I, I think a, a lot of it also goes into the transition that you're going into with, with college too. But like, you know, the just the the, the baseball game itself and the, you know, the what you're going to be asked to do is is pretty substantial. You know, so uh, you know, understanding that and being able to to roll the punches and grow through all of that stuff is going to be critical to your success when you get to college. Always ask questions. It's my biggest thing. Ask questions. If you don't know what's going on, ask questions because all the older guys who are being super cool, like, Oh, figure it out. Figure it out. Wink, wink you. Like they were in the same spot four years ago, three, four years ago. Like they didn't know what they were doing either. All right. So ask questions because people will help you. Yeah. I think, my piece of advice for for high school kids going into college is go find the best player in your position group, right? If you're a position player, go find the two or three best position players on the team. If you're a pitcher, go find the two or three best pitchers on the team and freaking hang in their back pocket and find out what they do to be good because there's a good chance that they have already come up with a routine and they know how to go about they know how to go about their business in order to be successful. Because if you walk in there and you think that what you did in high school is going to be the right thing to do in college, you're sorely mistaken. Yep. So, all right. Well, on that note, ask questions, find mentors. Um, thanks again for listening, everybody. If you're watching on YouTube, smash that like button, that follow button, smash that subscribe it. button, smash it. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at EMD Baseball. If you want to find out more about what me and Keith do, how we leverage our experience to help families navigate the recruitment process, go to emdbaseball.com. We're happy to connect and help. That is all for this week. We will catch up with you soon. 